For far too long, many Christians and churches have been primarily known by what they are against. Most people in our communities could rattle off a list of things that they think we stand in opposition to, all the while never really experiencing the love Jesus has for them. It's time for things to change. For the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the gospel, and for the sake of those that Jesus gave his life for, it's time that we become known by what we are for. It's time that we begin really loving our neighbors. It's time that we begin living and loving for the sake of those around us who are desperately in need of the life-giving power of the gospel. If we are going to help people move closer to where God wants them to be, it's time that we are no longer known primarily by what we are against. It's time that we become known by what we are for. Well, good morning and welcome. Thank you so much again for joining us today. I'm excited today to um, conclude this series. We've been in this series for uh, the last, I think this is week number five. Um, yeah, there it is on the screen. Week number five uh, of the series that we've been calling For the Verde Valley. And, and the, the overarching theme or idea behind what we've been talking about for the last um, month or so is really just this, that we, we really believe that at, at its most basic level, the call to God on us as a church, on us as individuals, um, we can go back and, and see some of his clear instructions to us. At week number one, we looked at the great commandment and the great commission, and we looked at the idea that like we are instructed to love God with everything, but also to, to love our neighbors. Um, that love for the people around us is supposed to be something that is... Um, a mark of Christians, a mark of followers of Christ, that the way that we love and serve the people around us, um, I really believe it's one of the primary ways that we communicate God's love to the world around us. And so we've been talking for a couple of weeks specifically about our community and what it means for us to be um, effective uh, conduits of hope in our community. On the first week, one of the things that I shared was that I just really believe that God has something more in mind for his followers than for us to gather and um, for the primary thing that we're doing to be meeting together inside this room or inside the walls of our church, but that God um, has a desire that we would be instruments of hope in the lives of people who are still far from him, that we would be instruments of love in the lives of people who are still far from him, that we would be instruments of grace in the lives of people who are still far from him, and that God's intent for us is to use us in the process of communicating those things to people who are lost and in need of hope. Um, and so that's really just been kind of like the underlying foundation for this whole series. I hope that you've been encouraged a little bit. I have been encouraged through um, some of these different weeks. I've been encouraged through some of the different uh, people that have been up here teaching and sharing with us. I've been encouraged by the way that I've seen some of you um, already taking steps to respond um, over the last 
handful of weeks, I've just kind of started to hear some stories, and we'd love to hear more of your stories. If there's anything that you've been kind of challenged to do, or you feel like God has put on your heart to, um, to do or to respond to what we've been talking about. Um, but even just this week, like I've been uh, going through a handful of stories, and there's been a number of ways that people have been kind of telling me about how God has been working on their heart and been challenging them to do something specific. Um, and, and that's kind of been what we've been talking about. What, what can we do practically right now to respond um, to some of these ideas and, and concepts? I've been encouraged. There's, there's a couple stories. I just want to encourage you and, and share a few things. There's been, um, I was reading a story this morning about uh, a girl who has uh, a, a classmate uh, in college that, that she has just kind of struggled with a little bit, and it's been a tough relationship, and this classmate has been really kind of vocal um, and a little demeaning and sarcastic in some of the ways that she, she talks about people of faith and in these like classroom settings, and, and uh, this girl found out that uh, this classmate is also going through just some really challenging things personally and that she's got a spouse that's uh, facing a, a battle with cancer and has a couple young kids. And, and uh, this girl from our church decided, like, this is, this is someone that is in need of some hope and is in need of some encouragement and uh, did some things really practically and specifically to try to reach toward uh, this individual and say, like, I... I want to communicate some love and, and that I just care about you and that I'm concerned about what you're going through and um, that I want to be in your corner a little bit if I can. And I was encouraged to hear that. I, I heard uh, a number of other things this week. There was a foster family. I know we were talking about foster care and adoption a little bit a couple of weeks ago. There was a foster family this week that just had a new placement come to their home and a group of people from our church kind of rallied around them and uh, brought a bunch of food and some meals and brought a bunch of uh, baby supplies and some things to just try to help them in those first couple days to kind of get their feet under them as they're providing a home and a place for uh, a new little guy that is in need of um, a place to stay for a while. There was another situation even just uh, this week where there's a, a local single dad that's trying to raise... Um, a couple girls and a group of people from our church gathered together and, and did what they could to try to um, help this dad with buying a bunch of clothes for the wintertime for his girls, just to try to encourage him. And, and um, all kinds of stories. I've heard stories about some of you who have just kind of gone into your neighborhoods and been intentionally trying to take steps toward some of your neighbors and trying to communicate that, hey, like, I just, we want to get to know you, and we want to care for you, and, and uh, we think that you're important and worthwhile and valuable and those kinds of things. And I've been hearing stories about how you have been um, taking steps out of your comfort zone in order to try to communicate God's love. Uh, the, one of the things that I said the first week is that I really believe that if people are going to know that God is for them, they need to feel like we are for them. I really, really believe that this is true, and I think that this is like an important idea for us, not just right now, but for us moving forward, um, that this idea becomes a part of our DNA a little bit. Um, I was encouraged. There was, there's at least two situations that I knew of where there were folks from our church who kind of rallied together and um, purchased vehicles for 
families that were struggling and that were in need. Um, there was a situation that I read about this week where there was someone who had a coworker that they've really like just struggled with over the years and they've, they've had a hard time getting along with and there's been a lot of conflict and this, this person from our church felt like I, I need to do something to kind of reach their direction and, and uh, found out that this lady and her family only have one car, and, and it was in need of some mechanical repairs, and, and this person said, that's how I'm going to try to communicate to them that like I'm in their corner and that I want to um, encourage them. I'm just going to try to help fund uh, this repair work to the only vehicle that this family has. Um, there's a family that is that kind of took on a project to try to collect uh, Christmas presents for local foster kids, and if you're interested in helping with that, you can go and um, there's a tree down at the end of the hallway that, that this family has kind of uh, done some work to jumpstart a little bit. There's some people that I talk to that uh, are choosing to try to start volunteering with the senior center and delivering Meals on Wheels to um, shut in elderly folks who really don't have many other people here. Like, I, just all kinds of things. I can just keep going, but I'm encouraged in what I'm seeing right now, and I'm grateful for the ways that you've chosen to kind of step into some of those things. Um, I want to ask this question to kind of get started this morning. Uh, have you ever done something that didn't um, become who you are? That's kind of a tricky question. I'm, I'll give you an example. Like, I have golfed a handful of times, but I in no way would consider myself to be a golfer. Um, so that's the kind of thing I'm asking. Have you ever done something, but it didn't really become you, or it didn't really become who you are? I mean, it's a silly question because all of us have lots of these kinds of things. We all could, could give lots of examples of something that we've done, but it didn't become who we are. Um, I've, I've done a handful of different things. I could go over and play something on the keyboard this morning that would sound nice and would not be offensive to your ears. It would like kind of resemble a song, but in no means would I, like, I consider myself to be like a, a pianist. Um, I, I have done some things on an instrument, but I don't consider that to be something that I am necessarily. What about for you? Is there something that you've done at one point, but it's not really become who you are per se? Um, as we've been thinking about this kind of stuff, I, I, I think that sometimes I think that sometimes I can live in this place a little bit, um, even in this topic. I think there's a lot of ways that I have done things that are generous. I have chosen to act at one point or another in a generous kind of way, but I don't know that that has necessarily meant that I've become generous. Like, I can do something, but it doesn't become who I am. One of the things for this series is that we really spend a lot of time talking, and we just really feel like we want these concepts and these ideas that we're talking about to not just be something that we do, but that we want it to be something that we become, that as a church, we would like to be able to look back at six months from now or a year from now and say, you remember when we went through that series like last fall? Wasn't that a cool thing to do for a month? Like, that's not what the hope is. My hope and the thing that I've been praying for as we've been talking as leaders, like, 
our hope and desire, and I think some of the vision that we have for our church moving forward is that these ideas are not just something that we do for a season, are not just something that we talk about for a while, but it really is something that we become, that we become marked by the way that we care for those in our community who still are far from God, that we become a conduit of hope and love and grace and compassion to those in our community that are in need of something good. That as followers of Jesus, we can choose to not just let this be something that we do for a little bit, but that we would choose to keep pushing to help this become who we are. That this would be almost like the beginning of a little bit of a, a change in our DNA. I like something that Luke said uh, last week about culture, and he kind of just said the culture's really just determined by or defined by even the collective repeated decisions of like a group of people. And so my hope is that these things that we've been talking about, this mindset shift, this posture shift that we've talked about, would become the repeated collective decisions of us and that this would become our culture. This would become what we are known for in our community. And so I'm encouraged. Today we're going to jump into uh, kind of a, just as a way of closing things out. I'm not going to say much that's like brand new. I'm kind of just recapping things, but there is something that I want to look at in Scripture that, as a way of kind of closing stuff today. Um, we're going to look at, at uh, Hebrews. Uh, the book of Hebrews or, or uh, the letter to the Hebrews, it's toward the end of the New Testament. We don't know a ton about Hebrews. We don't know specifically who wrote it. There's a couple different ideas. Some people think Paul wrote it. Some people um, think a handful of other different people wrote it. We also don't really know much of the circumstances around Hebrews or, or who it was written to. But much like a lot of the rest of the pieces of the New Testament, there's a lot of letters that were written by church leaders um, that were then sent over a great distance to a group of followers in a city or a location where there was a church that, that was made up of people who were trying to follow Jesus. And these church leaders would write these letters of instruction, of encouragement, to kind of challenge people, to say, keep going, to say, think about these things, or to confront issues that needed to be confronted. So these letters were written by church leaders to groups of people who were trying to follow Jesus um, as a way of trying to help them grow and to help them keep moving forward as they're practicing their faith. And as you read through Hebrews, it really kind of presents the same way. Like, it feels like that's exactly what's going on. It, it reads as if it's a letter that's been written to a group of people who are trying to follow Jesus to try to encourage them to just kind of keep going. I love the book of Hebrews. I wish I could just read the whole thing. There's so much good stuff in it. Um, we don't have time for me to read the whole thing uh, this morning. So I'm just going to read a couple pieces and kind of talk just a little bit about Hebrews. Um, the, as you read through it, I'm not going to read anything from the first 10 chapters, but the first 10 chapters of Hebrews is really all built around kind of laying this framework and reminding the readers of things that most of them already know, or that it's kind of the assumption that like 
This is not brand new information for you. This is, a, this is a lot of history of the nation of Israel. It's a lot of the history of the story of, of God's plan for redemption and salvation for his people. And then it's a reminder of who Jesus is and what he's done and what he accomplished by his work um, when he, he uh, died on the cross and was resurrected. It's a reminder to these people of kind of like this whole summary of the plan of God to do something um, to make it possible for people to be brought back in relationship with him. And so this writer of Hebrews takes 10 chapters really just to, to go into all of this pretty like deep theology and um, reminders of where we came from. Like it, this is a story that started long ago, and it's a process that God has been continually working in to bring people to salvation, to bring people to a point of redemption, to do something good. And then he gets toward the end of those 10 chapters, he gets into talking more about Jesus and what it was that Jesus accomplished on the cross, what it was that Jesus sacrificed for us, the kind of hope that it should give us, the kind of access and relationship to God that Christ's death allows for us to have. And then we get to chapter 10. And kind of midway through chapter 10, there's just this little bit of a shift. And, and if you're reading the whole thing together, it feels like most of those first 10 chapters are kind of focused on like laying the groundwork and saying like, all of this stuff is the story. You, you all know it. I just need to remind you that God has some good plans that, he, that have been in motion for a long time. And then he kind of flips a switch here in chapter 10. And changes from this, like, remember all of the past to, to now starting to think about, so what do we do as a result? What should be our response as we're reminded of God's goodness and reminded of God's sacrifice? What should be our response? How do we move forward? How do we keep going forward in the things that God has called us to as a response to um, this great story of salvation and redemption that has been in motion for so long. And so we get to Hebrews chapter 10. I just want to read this little section to you from Hebrews 10. So this is kind of where I think the, the tone and the voice of the writer switches a little bit. And it says, therefore, brothers and sisters, I learned this a long, long time ago that anytime you read a, a therefore in scripture, that it's always important to find out what it's there for. Um, and so you kind of go back. And I think that this therefore is pointing really back to like the whole first 10 chapters and all of that whole story and all of that framework about what salvation is and, and what it has accomplished for us. So it says, therefore, in light of all of that, in light of all of the things that God has done for us, in light of God's significant sacrifice for us, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, and a new and living way is opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. 
having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Um, in some different translations of scripture, this section is called, it's kind of got like a heading or a title that says a call to perseverance, a call to perseverance. He says, because of all of this stuff that God has been doing for so long, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because we have hope that we've experienced, let us not give up. Let us keep moving forward. Let us keep our focus on what we need to do now as a result or consequently because of what God has been doing, what are we going to do now? It says we should hold to the hope that we have. We should keep meeting together. We should draw near to God. And we should consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Really, that's kind of been what we've been trying to do this last couple weeks, is trying to spur one another on toward love and good deeds, toward the things that we believe are supposed to be the markers of followers of Jesus. So here's, here's my question to go back to, kind of to the beginning. If you've, if you've ever had something that you did, but it didn't become who you are, how, how does something become who you are? I mean, really, I just think that the answer is pretty straightforward. I think it's just perseverance. I think that it is continuing to push ahead through the challenges. I think that it's continuing to keep focused on the goal, to continue to keep moving forward through seasons that are challenging and difficult, to continue to to keep pressing in the face of adversity. I mean, that's what all those great movies are about, right? Most like good sports movies are about that. Like it's the Rocky idea, it's the all kinds of different ideas that like to become something great, you have to persevere through the challenges. You have to persevere to become whatever it is that you're wanting to become. You have to keep moving forward when it gets hard. Here's what I want to tell you right now. I think that that is what we need to be reminded of this morning, is that these things that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks, they're, they've taken a certain amount of sacrifice to do the things that we've done so far. But all of this that we're talking about, to, to be people and to be a community that's marked by generosity, that's marked by compassion, that's marked by grace, that's marked by love, it's hard. It is uncomfortable. If we are going to become that, it's not going to be something that's going to be easy. How do we keep moving forward from where we are right now? How do we become what God is wanting us to become as a church? as a collection of people. I believe that a big part of it is that we need to persevere. But I think that just like this writer of Hebrews is reminding these people that, that perseverance comes 
in light of what's been done for us. That perseverance and the ability to keep moving forward in the face of hardship, that to be able to keep moving forward in the face of uncomfortability comes as a result of seeing things through the lens or in light of what God has done for us. And the story of redemption and the story of salvation that has been in motion for so long. And so what do we do as a church here to kind of keep moving forward toward really some of these things that we feel like God is calling us to? I think there's just two things that um, I want to highlight today, and these are the blanks that you can fill out. There's two things, and they are, they're not complicated, but they're hard. They're simple and straightforward, but they're not easy to do. Here's the first one. If we're going to persevere, if we are going to use, use some of these concepts and these ideas that we've been talking about, if we're going to become a community of people that is marked by generosity and that's marked by our compassion, that's marked by our willingness to stand in the corner with people who are still far from God, I think it requires us first to fix our eyes on Jesus. I get this phrase even just from um, this same writer from Hebrews, a couple chapters later. Uh, so I, did, I quoted something from chapter 10. In chapter 11, this writer of Hebrews goes through basically this whole long list of people who were um, held up as examples because they lived their faith in a very specific kind of action-oriented kind of way. And so this writer of Hebrews goes through this list of, of um, people who were, who were held up um, as examples by um, generations and generations of Hebrews. They were held up as examples. Um, most people in Jesus' day knew who a lot of these individuals were. And this writer of Hebrews says, don't forget this person whose faith caused them to act in obedience to God, even in the face of hardship. Then he goes on and said, don't forget this person whose faith in God caused them to act in obedience and caused them to live a life where they did something that didn't make sense to those around them, but in obedience to God, they chose to act and do something that was significant. Their faith caused great action and they should be held up as examples for us. So this writer of Hebrews just goes through this whole list, and there's a whole long chapter you can read about all these examples of faith worth emulating. And then we move on to chapter 12. And what I want to read to you here is from chapter 12. It says uh, in 12, 1 and 2, therefore, so again, what's the therefore, therefore? He says therefore right now because he just talked about this whole long list of um, followers of God who demonstrated their faith by the way that they chose to live their lives. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's the cloud of witnesses, the, those demonstrations of worthwhile and substantial faith, 
Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says, because of, we've had these examples, because there's so many who have gone before us and have lived lives of great faith, who have lived lives of obedience to God, because we see their examples, because we are reminded of this story of salvation that God has been writing because of what Jesus has done, like let us fix our eyes on Jesus and keep moving forward. That's how we are going to persevere and run the race marked out for us. That's how we move forward from here, is to keep our eyes squarely on Jesus as he's the one that leads us forward. In light of all of the good that God has done for us and all of the grace that we've been shown, in light of the way that God has been generous with us, let's look at the example of Jesus and keep our eyes on him, and that will be the thing that allows us to keep persevering and doing exactly what it is that God's calling us to do. And so what I want to say today is that, that it's... We've done some great things. I've been encouraged by the way that we've been beginning to act in some of these ways. And like I said before, there are ways that some of you have been living lives marked by this for, for decades, and you inspire me when I watch your example. But for us as a community to be continuing to move forward, I think that these principles here are what we need to do, that we need to be reminded of what God has done for us that we need to be reminded of the generosity of God. And in light of that, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, and that is what will allow us to continue running the race that's been marked out for us. As a church, that is what it will allow us to continue taking steps forward and making an impact for God's kingdom in this valley. As we keep our eyes on Jesus, we're reminded of the ways that Jesus loves and the ways that Jesus serves and the way that Jesus washes feet and the way that Jesus treats everyone he encounters with compassion, the way that Jesus speaks to those who are marginalized and who are vulnerable, and the ways that Jesus comes alongside those who are in need, the way that Jesus not only speaks to meeting spiritual needs, but speaks to meeting physical and practical needs too, that as we keep our eyes fixed on him and his example, that's the thing that allows us to keep moving forward in what God has called us to do. As we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Here's the other thing is that I really believe that, that for over a long period of time, it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're actually able to become things like generosity. Like for me to say, like, I can be generous here and there because any of us can be generous and sometimes it's a little self-seeking too, but like for me to become generosity, that takes the work of the Holy Spirit changing me and my heart. For me to become compassion, 
that's not something that like I can just like practice a lot and like work hard. At. Like I can be compassionate when I need to be, but for me to become that, that requires me to fix my eyes on Jesus and let the Holy Spirit change me. And that is what we as a church collectively need to be doing. If we're going to keep moving toward the place I think God has called us to, that it requires us to keep our eyes fixed on him. The next thing is that we, we just need to keep doing what he calls us to do. I think that the important word in this sentence is that we need to do what he calls us to do. That it's easy to talk, it's easy to think, it's easy to believe some things. It's a lot harder to just act and to do. And we need to be willing to do the things he's asking us to do. We need to be willing to step out of our comfort zones. We need to be willing to step into situations that are difficult. We need to be willing to do what God is asking us to do. We need to be willing to step into some of the messes. He's calling us to act. He's calling us to a faith that's demonstrated by the way that we choose to live. So we've just been asking this question, what is it that we want our church to be known for? What is it that we want Verde Valley Christian Church to be known for in this community? And what, is, what I would say is that we, we want to be known by our love. I mean, Jesus says that that's what his followers should be known by. We want people in this community to know Jesus. I said it on the first week, but I believe that there are thousands and thousands of people within just a few miles of where we're sitting right now that are desperate and that feel hopeless and feel like there's no one in their corner and that definitely feel like God is not in their corner. And if we are going to be what God, I believe, is calling us to be, it means that we are going to do what it takes to help people in this community know that God is for them because they feel like we are for them. What are we going to be known for in this community? I, I think that, like the last couple of weeks we've talked about, I, I want us as a church to be known by the way that we treat our neighbors. Like, I would love it if we had the reputation, if, if people in this community said, like, I just... Uh, these neighbors just keep treating me like strangely. Like, it's good, but it's weird because they like go out of their way to be kind to me. They go out of their way to um, talk to me. They go out of their way to like make me feel important. And like, I want those things to happen and then to find out like, oh, you're another one of those people that goes to that church? That's weird because like this weird person at my work that treats me really well I just found out they go to that church too. Like, that's strange. And this coach that like coaches my kid's soccer team that like treats my kid like they're amazing and like does, I found out they go to that church too. Like, weird. 
Like, what if we were known by the way that we treated people? I believe that if we're known by the way that we treat people, we can become a conduit for God's love and God's hope to change people's lives. And more than anything, we just want to be part of what Jesus said he came to do, which is to seek and save the lost, those who are still far from him. I believe that I have a hope that is greater than anything because I have Jesus. And the people around me that are in need, that are feeling hopeless, that are feeling lonely, like I, I really do believe with everything that like I have the answer. And it's up to me, and it's up to us, and it's up to us as a collective to figure out how to take that answer to the people who need it. What are we going to be known for here? Hebrews chapter 13 is the very last chapter, and this is what I want to end with today. There's a couple parts of it. Um, Sorry, I'm going to do one other thing real quick. If there's any group of people who should lead the change in our community, it should be us. That's some of the same stuff I was just saying. Like, I, I really believe that if there's any group of people in our community that's going to be known by their compassion, it should be the church. It should be followers of Jesus. If there's going to be any group of people that's known in our community or that's leading the charge of caring for people who are marginalized and, and vulnerable, like, it should be the church. This is what we're called to. And this is how we carry the gospel into the lives of people who need it. I want to finish with reading from Hebrews chapter 13. This is how the, the writer of Hebrews kind of concludes everything. This, I, I think that this letter is an encouragement, just like I'm trying to encourage us today, but I believe it's an encouragement to these readers, and it should encourage us to say, like, in light of all that God has done, in light of all of the gifts that God has given us, in light of the grace that we've been shown, in light of the forgiveness and the love that's been demonstrated for us, now... It's our responsibility to keep going forward and to keep taking it to where it needs to go. This is how the writer of Hebrews finishes on with some encouragements and some exhortations to uh, the people who are reading Hebrews. It says this, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Now, may the God of peace who, through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, may that God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, may that God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him 
through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And I want to echo that prayer this morning. Would you just join me and close your eyes and bow your head as I wrap us up today? Father God, I I am thankful so much for who you are and for what you've done and for the ways that you have called us, the ways that you are willing to use us, the ways that you um, see us as a a way to communicate your love to people who are still far from you. God, I just ask, uh, even with these words, that you would equip us with everything good that we need to do your will that you would be working in us as a church, that you'd be working in us as individuals, that we would be living lives that would be pleasing to you, that we would be living lives that would be honoring to you, and that, God, that we would be living lives that would be communicating the love and hope that's available through you to people who are desperately in need of some hope. God, would you continue to use us Would you continue to help us to fix our eyes on you? Would you use us in this community? Would you use us to help the people in the Verde Valley know that you are for them, know that you love them because they feel that from us? God, we love you and we're grateful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us again today. Um, we're all wrapped up. There's a, there's a prayer team over here to the right of the stage who would love to spend some time with you if you have something that they could pray for you with or um, just spend some time with you talking. They'd love to do that this morning. Please feel free to stop by over there. Thank you again so much. We'll see you next week.